Good morning. It is time to get up with the NBA's return, where one superstar led a crazy comeback, another crushed an in-state rival, and a king held court. Aaron Rodgers' darkness is done. Has he seen the light? And is he ready to share his future with the Packers? And if, in fact, winning is the only thing, then Lamar Jackson has the ultimate negotiation tool at his disposal. We will explain on Get Up. And welcome to Get Up on this Friday morning. Yes, that's right. Let's hear it. I'm Dan Graziano in for Greeny here with Kimberly Martin. But that's not all. We also have Tim Hasselbeck. We also have Ryan Clark. Tim Legler is going to be around to talk some hoops. I promise you can't see any of these people, but they're going to come and talk. We are going to start with the hoops, and we start with the Sixers and the Grizzlies. It's the comeback of the night. Joel Embiid and the Sixers hosting John Morant and the Grizzlies. Second quarter, Sixers town by 15. James Harden leaves it for Embiid, but Embiid is stuffed at the rim by Jaron Jackson Jr. Play continues on the other end. David Roddy slams it home. Grizzlies now up 17. Take another look at this block. Jackson with the clean rejection of Embiid. Grizzlies feeling it early. Fourth quarter, Sixers now down by eight. This is Harden. He's going to drive and he's going to take a floater and it is going to drop. Sixers on the comeback trail. Minute 28 to go in the fourth. Sixers now down by four. Harden in the corner. Step back three. Here they come. Sixers fans are enjoying what they see. Ensuing possession for the Grizzlies. They're now up by just one. Morant drives the lane, but Embiid is there to block the shot. Take another look at this one. Embiid comes flying in on Morant to block the shot. Sixers get their stop. Under a minute to play now. Sixers down by two. Tobias Harris with the corner three with the shot clock winding down. Sixers have come all the way back to take a one-point lead. Ensuing Grizzlies possession still down one. Morant can't get his floater to go. Harden comes up with the long rebound. Play continues, and Embiid finishes with the dunk. Sixers really feeling it now. They take a three-point lead. Grizzlies still with a chance. 23 seconds to go down three. Desmond Bain gets a good look from three, but he misses. He gets it back. He misses another three. Sixers. All right, he missed another one. Sixers are going to end up getting this rebound, I promise. That pretty much is going to end the game. Sixers just need to get the, the inbound in. Grizzlies looking to force a jump ball, but things get a little chippy here. George Niang rips the ball away, and Bede comes in to join the fray after. Anyway, it did eventually end. The Sixers won at 110-105. Harden had 31 points, seven rebounds, seven assists, and Bede, as you see, 27 and 19. Taking a closer look at the end of that game, Grizzlies led by four with a minute and 30 seconds left. And the 76ers went on a 10-1 run to end the game. Memphis was 0 for 6 during that stretch. And as I mentioned, we do have Tim Legler here to help break all of this down for us. Legs, what did you take away uh, from this big comeback last night? Well, I think the biggest thing for me, it was impressive. First of all, it's the most entertaining game I think maybe I watched all year. Uh, that's first. And secondly, I think the most important thing for the Sixers is that other guys made shots down the stretch on a night when Embiid wasn't his best. He really struggled in the first half. But they were able to let their defense get them back in the game. And then most importantly, you had Tobias Harris knock down a couple of huge corner threes. James Harden had a huge corner three and a couple of finishes closer to the paint. I just think that's a great sign for Philadelphia in how they're going to close games because Embiid is going to get so much attention. He, he's a magnet for defenders. So who's going to take the pressure off of him when the time comes? They've got Harden, they've got Maxie, and then they've got Tobias Harris who's forgotten a lot in this offense a lot of nights. 
But if he's your fourth best player, you're a pretty darn good team. He showed it last night, came through down the stretch. I just think it's a great sign against a very good team to dig deep, get stops, and then have other guys besides your star help decide the game. That's a huge statement for Philly. It is, and, and they look great, and we obviously see what they can be at their best. But obviously, as we're getting to the point in the year here, Legs, where the question about all these teams becomes, you know, how good, right? Are, are the 76ers good enough to make trouble in the playoffs for, like, the Celtics and the Bucks, the top teams in the East? Yeah, look, I think they can give either one of those teams fits in a series. I wouldn't pick them to win the series if Milwaukee and Boston are healthy. I think, for me, it's always going to come down to the same thing. James Harden in big moments. He, he's going to have to be great. And he, look, he has been great pretty much the entire season, but it's the regular season. And James Harden's always been great in the regular season. It, it's the postseason where he has had some real head-scratching nights when they have to have him be great. Being mediocre or, or subpar is not going to get it done because he's their primary ball handler. And when I look at this team and how they run their offense, Joel Embiid as a big can be defended with a game plan where you take the ball out of his hands. If that's the case, so much pressure is going to fall in the lap of James Harden. So they're going to be right there, right in the mix. And if he plays as well in the postseason in big spots as he has most of this regular season, Philadelphia could get to a conference final or a final, but I think there's a lot of skepticism of whether you will see that James Harden time and time again through multiple rounds in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Sure, and we'll see how that goes. Obviously, we're a couple months away from it, but the way the Sixers played last night can only help them going forward. Lots more NBA with legs later on this show, but we go now to the NFL where Green Bay, quarter, Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers spent most of this week in a darkness retreat. This is, a, this is footage of Aaron emerging from the darkness where he was clearly wearing his uniform the whole time, as, as we all know. He'll now decide his uh, future ahead of next season. Yesterday on the show, our Diana Rossini laid out the road ahead for Rodgers. I was told that a meeting is supposed to happen with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers says, yes, I want to be traded, then the Packers will then allow Aaron Rodgers to talk to the teams that he perhaps is interested in or the teams that are interested in trading for him. So this all comes down to what Aaron Rodgers wants to do, which will then be the domino for the rest of the quarterbacks that are on the street. This is the biggest domino, and as I mentioned, we welcome in uh, Tim Hasselbeck and Ryan Clark, who you can now see making the show uh, even more handsome uh, than it already was with just the two of us here. Kmart, what, what should Aaron's next steps be now that he has emerged from the darkness? We shouldn't need a meeting now. Aaron should have emerged from his cave and literally sent up smoke signals. I wish the guy had gone on IG Live because after all this time of waiting, we, we expect him to play. Now, Aaron, you had your wilderness retreat. You went in the dark. You come out. Now, here's the thing. You guys talk about dominoes. We need to know what's happening. Like, you are the domino that needs to fall. He should have said that from the jump. So now every team that potentially thinks it could have a chance to get Aaron Rodgers waits. They wait for Aaron to sort of dictate the pace of things. And as always, Aaron Rodgers is in control. Which is what he likes and yeah. what he wants and where he spent the bulk of the last couple of off-seasons. So, RC, like, if you're, the, if you're the New York Jets, you met last week with Derek Carr. You like Derek Carr. You think he's, he's a good option for you, but... In the back of your mind, you want to know what Aaron Rodgers is going to do before you make any decisions. Should the Jets wait this out? 
Dell Tech Fest starts now. To thank you for 40 unforgettable years, Dell Technologies is celebrating with anniversary savings on their most popular tech. For a limited time only, save on select next-gen PCs like the XPS 13 Plus, where you can make the everyday easier with Windows 11. Unleash more possibilities with cutting-edge systems, their most advanced features, and great prices. Plus, curate your dream setup with deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at dell.com deals, you'll have access to state-of-the-art technology to match your forward-thinking spirit and free shipping on everything. Anniversary savings await you for a limited time only at dell.com slash deals that's dell.com slash deals passion drive and patience the formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yeah, I believe the Jets should wait it out because when we're looking at the Jets, they're the pretty girl at the dance. They're the girl that everybody is going to want to ask to dance when shy, if I ever fall in love, plays again. You have Garrett Wilson on offense. You have Brees Hall that will be coming back off of injury. You have a defense that can put you in the playoff and also get you into championship contention. And I'm very surprised that Kimberly Martin didn't say that Aaron Rodgers should now take over Gotham because that's exactly what Bain did when when he finally got out of the cave. He went right at Batman to take over the city. And so when you look at Aaron Rodgers and the position that he's in, is Derek Carr a very good player? Absolutely. Is he talented? Is Derek Carr the guy you would take over Aaron Rodgers? Absolutely not. So if Aaron Rodgers becomes in play, if you're willing to wait on him to make his decision or have his conversation with Green Bay, I believe you should because you probably aren't a Derek Carr away from a Super Bowl, but you could be an Aaron Rodgers away from winning one. I thought Bain went to Pittsburgh first and blew up the field, didn't it? Am I remembering the wrong? Am I mixing hey, up my Batman hey, movies? Bad or? memories. Hey, right. bad memories. I shot for that movie for five hours. I stood next to Troy, and I didn't even make the cut. How does Troy not make the movie? I don't know. You'd figure you were in the right position. We are getting a little off track, as much as I would enjoy the rest of that conversation. Tim, is Rodgers better off staying in Green Bay, or would he be better off heading to the Jets or some other team? If Aaron Rodgers' main goal is to win a Super Bowl, I think he's better off staying in Green Bay. And the reason I say that is I, I think that most people would agree that the path to the Super Bowl is probably a little bit easier in the NFC than it is the AFC. And then you think about, about familiarity with everything that's in Green Bay. You're not learning new terminology. Uh, you're not learning an entire uh, new offensive staff and players on, on that offensive staff uh, or on that team. And so I think when you look at that, look, is the personnel probably a little bit better uh, around the quarterback in New York? Sure, probably. Same thing could be said probably uh, with the Raiders. But all that to say, like, I, I think you look at the NFC North and Aaron Rodgers, another year with these receivers uh, that he played with uh, this past season, I actually think his 
trajectory and path to the Super Bowl is better in Green Bay than anywhere else. And so for that reason, I don't know that going somewhere other than Green Bay really helps him accomplish his goal. What about from the perspective of the teams, Tim? Is Rodgers at this point in his career still worth all the fuss? Can he be an MVP caliber quarterback again? I think he can, Dan. Look, he had a broken thumb this year. And his numbers this season, while we all kind of talked about him like it was a way down year, which it was for him, still better than a lot of quarterbacks that are due to get extended or sign contracts this offseason. They're going to make north of $40 million a year. So, yes, Aaron absolutely can play at a very high level. I mean, RC just said, like, are you a Super Bowl away yeah. in New York from Aaron Rodgers? Like, you might be. He can play at that level. Right, so, so the, the Jets are in a position now where it, it's worth it for them to wait, even if they lose out on Derek Carr, Kimberly. Yes, 100%, because if you're the jam of the Jets, Joe Douglas, you have to make a home run swing. Like, you have to at least attempt to hit it out the park because you've already missed out on a chance of getting Trevor Lawrence a few years ago, and you went with Zach Wilson, who you was, thought was going to be the guy. Well, so far he has not been, and there's a good chance he might not be in the future. So if you are the GM, you have a team, a young defense, a championship-level defense, as your owner, Woody Johnson, has said. Getting Derek Carr is a good, safe move. And I understand, RC, I'm from New York, so I understand, like, uh, uh, getting Aaron Rodgers, what it would do for this area and this franchise. But Derek Carr is a safe move, and I think if you're the Jets, even if you lose out on I, Aaron Rodgers, you have to show that you are willing to go all in and do whatever to win in New York. RC, you look like you agree. I am a Derek Carr fan. I'm yes. a Derek Carr fan. I think Derek Carr is a sweet human. I also think that Derek Carr can really throw a football. I've watched Derek Carr when things get to moving like this sometimes. He's not necessarily the best quarterback under that pressure. Not only that pressure, but having the intestinal fortitude, the guts to stand up every game after you don't play well or if the New York Jets are struggling and deal with the New York media. That is not a place for sweet humans. That is not a place for guys that loves to talk yet doesn't necessarily love the man no you are not you are absolutely not you are a monster when it comes to doing your job and that's what you have to be at the quarterback position you need someone confident in who they are and someone that can produce on the field as well and if they don't someone that can stand up to that media stand up to the criticism that you face in New York and say listen I'm Aaron Rodgers I know what I'm doing R-E-L-A-X relax and that's why I think if you can get Aaron Rodgers you wait on him more so than you rush to sign Derek Carr. As it always seems to be the case this time of year, we all continue to wait on Aaron Rodgers. Coming up on Get Up, we have more quarterback talk. The Dallas Cowboys have an important decision to make about Dak Prescott. We'll tell you the biggest question Jerry Jones needs answered about his QB. And we are in the speculation phase of the NFL calendar, so how about this? What happens if the Baltimore Ravens make a decision next week on Lamar Jackson that he doesn't like? We'll tell you. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for 
for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Attention, Kmart shoppers. Attention Kmart shoppers, this is a <laughs> segment about off-season shopping needs for various NFL teams. Kimberly Martin, what do the Bears need to do this off-season? Dan, they need to not listen to Mike Tannenbaum. Do not do anything but build around Justin Fields. You saw what Jalen Hurts was able to do in, in Philly. They built around him, they got him weapons. The Bears need to take that approach. They need to acquire more picks and build around the QB. How about the Baltimore Ravens? Okay, I'm going to sound like a broken record today, but you know what, Baltimore, you don't want to be the one to get to not have one of the best quarterbacks in the league on your team. They need to give Lamar Jackson his guaranteed contract because you know what? Everybody around the league knows that he is that talented, and at some point, the price is going to keep going up on these QBs. We will have more on that later in the show, but in the meantime, tell us what the Dallas Cowboys need to do this offseason. <sighs> All right, Jarrah. You didn't think you needed Amari Cooper, and then guess what? This season showed you need Amari Cooper. You got to get another wide receiver. Understand the questions about Dak, but this offense, now that it has a new offensive coordinator, they need more weapons. So I want to see them spend, 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 or draft, draft, draft on a receiver. Of course, one thing that's going to impact that spending is Dak's yeah, salary cap number, which has to come down probably and could be done by extending him. Yesterday on the show, Lewis Riddick raised some concerns about the Cowboys potentially extending Dak this offseason. Listen to what Lewis said. This is all about expectation. Dak is in that level is at that level now where regarding what he is paid and what they expect him to deliver, it's just not matching up on a consistent basis. And when you're talking about another contract for him, you got to be sure that he's going to give you what he needs to give you in terms of return on investment. And right now I'm just not sure about that. Ryan Clark, what are your thoughts on whether the Cowboys should extend Dak this offseason? You know, I don't think that they should extend Dak right now, but let's be honest, the contract that Dak Prescott is playing under is the contract that Dak Prescott earned at the time. And when you give someone a contract, it's because of what they've accomplished and what you project they'll accomplish going forward. And if you're looking at this team and you're looking at Dak Prescott in his last year, the way that he turned the football over, the way that we watched him play in the big moments against the San Francisco 49ers going forward, that doesn't say 
say that Dak Prescott is the quarterback that can get the Dallas Cowboys to the Super Bowl that has eluded them for over the last quarter century. But Dak Prescott has to come back this year and show that he is the guy that, they're, that they signed. He is the guy that's worth over $40 million plus. And when you think about incentivizing a quarterback or pushing a quarterback to be better, you don't do that by giving them an extension. Now, on the business side of what the Dallas Cowboys have to do, they have to think about how extending Dak Prescott and giving him a team-friendly extension allows them to move and maneuver with the salary cap and add pieces around Dak, which he truly needed in order to perform at a higher level. <coughs> and so I do think it's tricky, but from the standpoint of does Dak Prescott now deserve more money, now deserve more guarantees, I don't believe he does. Interesting. You disagree. Well, for me, it's more about the salary cap. And I think Dak, here's the thing. A few weeks ago, we had conversations about the Cowboys. And at the start of the season, we didn't think the Cowboys could be in the Super Bowl. As the season went on, we had conversations on this show. I'm sure Ryan Clark was a part of them on NFL Live, too, where it's like, oh, could the Cowboys? Are they actually, could they win? The Super Bowl? Are they, are they a team with this quarterback? Like, here's the, the thing. I understand that Dak did not have a good year. I understand the turnovers, the interceptions, uncharacteristic of what his career has shown. But when you look around the league at quarterbacks, I just don't understand the idea that you have a really good one and you don't want to pay them, or you, do, you just say, ah, I mean, he hasn't, like Josh Allen has, correct me if I'm wrong, Josh Allen hasn't won a Super Bowl, right? No, but there's belief in that building that he can lead them there. I think Dak has shown over his career that he can win, but when you change the offensive coordinator, when you have questions about the head coach, when you have questions about the roster, it can't just, offensive line, you can't just put it on the quarterback. Right, but they have, a, they have a question to ask about do they want to extend him, do they want to commit to him at the level that quarterbacks are getting paid now, uh, Tim, and, and that's, you know, that's, that's approaching or maybe even by the end of this offseason topping $50 million a year. Would you extend him at this point? I would absolutely extend him. Dak Prescott isn't even 30 years old. And you know that he can play. Was you know, did he turn the ball over more this past season than you would like? Sure. You know, you can also go through those interceptions and, and look at a, a fair number of them that you could argue that other people didn't do their job as well. I mean, just think of the Jacksonville game where ball bounces off a guy's chest and gets returned for a score, uh, you know, a game-winning score. So look, here's what I would say, you know, in, in, in terms of Dak. Like, is he good enough to win a Super Bowl? The answer, in my opinion, is 100% yes. You have that guy in your building that you can win a Super Bowl with, and, uh, and he's not even 30 years old. I'm extending him, absolutely, and um, to be honest, if you don't, I think you end up putting yourself in a worse situation at the quarterback position. That, that, that's, that, that's the question, right, RC? And I remember what the last time they were talking about extending him and listening to Orlovsky say, you don't want to ever pay a good quarterback, great quarterback money. That's a trap teams fall into, right? And that, is that the kind of thing you're talking about, that he hasn't shown the, 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 the ability to play at that Whoa. great, great quarterback level? 
So I thought the extension that Dak received, he deserved. And I thought he deserved it before having to play on the franchise tag early on in his career in Dallas. I thought the way that team was playing and also where Dak was headed. And we saw a little bit of that in the first season after receiving the extension in those first six games before hurting the calf. And so in looking at Dak Prescott, I think you're in a very difficult position. I agree with much of what Tim said. When Dak Prescott plays at his highest level, when Dak Prescott plays to the potential we've seen him play, he's a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. But we also understand the views on Dak Prescott. I believe now they're tinkering along the views of Kirk Cousins with less production. And so I believe watching Dak Prescott play this year under new coordinator, under a new scheme with some more players around him gives you a better view of where you're headed. We're not talking about the Minnesota Vikings. We're talking about the Dallas Cowboys and Jerry Jones and the way they've maneuvered at the quarterback position and also with giving contracts to Dak Prescott. So lots to figure out from the Dallas Cowboys end. We'll see what they decide to do about Dak uh, this offseason. We come back on Get Up. Much more to discuss, including more NBA. LeBron James was not dominant last night, and it might have been exactly what the Lakers needed. We'll explain why when we come back. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Back on Get Up with our game of the night. LeBron James and the Lakers hosting the Warriors Thursday. First quarter, Warriors down 19-13. Dante DiVincenzo lays it in. But that's not what we want to talk about. We want to talk about this, what happened after the play. D'Angelo Russell, DiVincenzo appears to step on Russell's foot after the basket. Take another look, Russell rolls his ankle after getting stepped on. He would leave the game and he would not return. Second quarter, Lakers up 31-23. Dennis Schroeder throws it up to LeBron and throws down the one-handed alley-oop dunk. Let's take another look at that when LeBron's skying high for the slam. Lakers would be up three at the half. Early third quarter, Lakers up 62-58. After a Warriors miss, Malik Beasley for the corner three. Beasley had 25 points to lead the Lakers. They're up by four at this point. Under eight minutes to go, Lakers up 72-63. This time, Schroeder throws it up to Anthony Davis, and he lays it in. Lakers up 11. Next Lakers possession, Austin Reeves drives. He's going to lose control of the ball, but he's going to gather it, kick it to LeBron. LeBron hits the corner three. 
Lakers, everything going right for them. Steph Curry cannot believe what he's seeing. Lakers up by 14. Fourth quarter's Lakers. Lakers looking to continue pulling away. LeBron gets right to the rim and lays it in. Lakers would go on to win this game 124-111. LeBron had 13-9-8. Davis had 12-12. Here's AD after the game. The pieces we added for defense, for offense, um, you know, looks really good. You know, I think we're playing well. You know, we're clicking. Hopefully, D'Lo, you know, injury isn't, you know, severe where he missed time. But, uh, you know, I think we we got a, you know, complete team where we're able to uh, make a little run. So this game may have proved his point about being a complete team. Davis and LeBron combined for 25 points last night. That is the lowest total they've combined for as teammates in a win. It was also their first game as teammates where neither of them ranked among the Lakers' top three scorers. That includes regular season and playoff games. So, Tim Legler back with us now. Is this the Lakers' blueprint, this kind of balance? Oh, for sure. And I think the additions that they made are going to pay huge dividends for this team. They just look like a more fluid team now. Better spacing, uh, more complete offensively because you added Malik Beasley most of all. D'Angelo Russell is also going to fit in really well. Didn't see him last night because of the injury, but Malik Beasley was the story of the game. Um, and he's not just a guy that's going to spot up, tow it up, and wait on shots. You can run sets for him. They were running down screens for him early in the offense to look for three-point shots coming out to the three-point line. He can put it down and get his own. So he's more than just a spot-up shooter. He was 7 for 11 on threes last night, but he can get his own shot. He can provide supplemental scoring. Rui Hachimura was great last night as well, giving him 14 points, and he's a recent pickup. So the Lakers are going to continue to evolve with these new additions, but the first signs are extremely promising when you look at what Beasley is going to provide this team. And, and they played harder last night as well. You know, there's something to be said for that too, Dan. Just play harder and good things happen. I thought they were really engaged defensively and locked in last night. The Warriors are a little bit of a mess right now without Curry and Wiggins. Uh, so you didn't get necessarily a juggernaut in the Western Conference. doesn't matter for the Lakers. You need wins and you need them now. And Malik Beasley helped them get one last night. Yeah, they're still trying to get into the playoff field or even the play-in field at this point. they got a ways to go uh, for that. But same question I asked you about the Sixers. Like, is this a team that can, that can make any noise in, in May and June games? Would anybody really want to play the Lakers at the top of the West in a first-round series? Because here's the thing. If, if they're playing, say, a Denver or a Memphis in the first round, what that means is that, number one, they played really well here in the last 20 games. Two... They probably are going to have to play in the play-in. I don't think they're going to get to six. So that means they will have won at least one game, if not two, in the play-in. So now you have a hot Lakers team in a first-round series with teams like Denver and Memphis. Denver's not been to the finals in the Nikola Jokic era. You know, Memphis hasn't been to a conference final. And you're going to take on the Lakers with a healthy LeBron, AD, and these new players in their supporting cast, I think that would be a scary proposition for anybody at the top of the West. So they're very dangerous. I don't want to get ahead of myself because of the way their season has looked. It's been a train wreck. But let's take a look at, at what they have going forward and knowing that if they win out the way I'm talking about, they're going to be very dangerous for Denver and Memphis to potentially play in the first round.
All right, great stuff. Legs stick around. Much more NBA later in the show. And speaking of NBA, here's our NBA Friday doubleheader coming off the All-Star break. The Bucks host Jimmy Buckets in the Heat at 7.30 Eastern. Then the New Look Suns host Shy Gilgis Alexander and the Thunder. Our coverage tips with NBA Countdown at 7 Eastern on ESPN and the app. Back to the football now, where yesterday the Washington Commanders introduced their new offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy. Fresh off a Super Bowl win, Bieniemy served as the Chiefs offensive coordinator since 2018. And here's what he had to say yesterday about his new job. It's been an amazing journey, you know, getting to this point and having the success that we've had over the years. But now it's time for a new challenge. And looking at these guys up front, Eric Bieniemy is fired up. Why not Washington? Look at all the talent. Look at the players that they have. I have never, ever backed down from a challenge. I'm embracing this challenge. I'm fired up. I'm excited. So Patrick Mahomes uh, endorsing Biennemi on Twitter said there should be no questions on how great of a man slash coach Coach Biennemi is. His leadership has a direct impact on the player, person I am today. Ten-plus years learning under one of the greatest coaches of all time, and I cannot wait for him to continue to prove doubters wrong. Kimberly Martin, your thoughts on what Eric Bieniemy had to say uh, at, as in Washington. I only have one thought after watching that, and the thought is Eric Bieniemy, under no circumstances should be the Washington Commander's offensive coordinator, point blank period. He should not be because he's overqualified for that position, and that's what frustrates me about this situation. Eric Bieniemy said all the right things, all the things you have to say when you know that the, the playing field is not always level, you, when you know that the goalposts constantly move and bend with the direction of the wind depending on the season or the year or the day. And so he had to take the high road. Um, he deserves to be a head coach, especially when you watch the Super Bowl and you saw that two of the coordinators on the, on the losing sideline are now head coaches, and Eric Bieniemy is in Washington, a franchise that we constantly have talked about being the, the very definition of dysfunction, a franchise that will hopefully soon there will be some sort of resolution on ownership that the team could change hands. There's so many unknowns with this franchise, and that's what frustrates me. I have no doubt that Eric Bieniemy will get the most out of these players. I have no doubt that these players are excited for him. A two-time Super Bowl champion and two-time Super Bowl MVP in Patrick Mahomes gives his endorsement, so I'm going to give more credence to that than Shady McCoy. Um, but, uh, but the fact that Eric Bieniemy is even in this position, I'm not going to lie, it is frustrating to see. RC? You know, I do not like his very toxic positivity. <laughs> he has a toxic level of <laughs> optimism that truly, truly pains me because I feel many of the things that Kimberly A. Martin just said, and yet listening to Eric B. Enemy, I actually don't want to say him. I, like her, am trying to understand as the goalpost continue to, continues to move, 
that two coaches that lose in the Super Bowl, one that is supremely outcoached in the second half by Eric Bieniemy and by Andy Reid, both of those coaches are now head coaches in the NFL. And when you look at Eric Bieniemy and his resume, what he's accomplished, much to the accomplishments of a Doug Peterson, much to the accomplishments of a Matt Nagy, he's done more than both of those coaches who were awarded head coaching positions, coaching and being the offensive coordinator under Andy Reid. And so, but this is Eric Bieniemy betting on himself. This is Eric Bieniemy leaving a Patrick Mahomes and going to Sam Howell. This is an Eric Bieniemy leaving the Hunt family and going to dysfunction in the ownership position in Washington. And so there are so many things right now that are stacked against him. And my thought on it is this. Maybe Eric Bieniemy has figured to himself, you know what? I'm not going to get that head coaching job this way or that way the way I was in Kansas City. So it's time for me to move on and try something else. Maybe this is a move out of desperation to say I have to put myself in one of the worst positions and show that I can coach my way out of that position in order to be considered a good enough leader, a good enough man to be the head coach of some other organization. This is a difficult pill to swallow because I don't feel that Eric Bieniemy deserves to have to prove himself in this sort of situation. But because of his toxic optimism, his toxic <laughs> positivity, I'm going to sit here and wait. And I'm going to hope that he does an amazing job coaching. And I'm going to hope that next year we can sit here and point to all the positivity and all the great great things he did in Washington to say this is why he now deserves a coaching job or I'm going to wait for someone in some of these 15 or 16 head coaching interviews that he's had to tell us the reason why he is now the offensive coordinator in Washington. 16 uh, head coach interviews with 15 different teams. Obviously, Biennemi has become the symbol of a persistent diversity problem that the league has acknowledged but has so far um, Failed to fully correct. Tim Hasselbeck, if, if that's what he's doing, he's decided his better route to try and become a head coach is to leave Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and go to Washington, try and build his own thing there. Is that the right decision for him? I actually don't think that it is. I, I think, you know, Ryan probably touched on it with the, like maybe it, it feels like a desperation because of the, you know, move, because of the landing spot. I think the, you know, in terms of career move, you would much rather be in a scenario where you either are staying uh, in Kansas City, and, and I think all expectations would be that there would continue to be wild success in Kansas City with how that's structured, or go somewhere, you know, like, say, the Chargers, you know, where they, they too, have a, a really good quarterback mm. and some talent on the roster. And so you yeah. could argue that the, you know, the, the path to success you know, is, is easier with a team like the Chargers than a team like Washington. And so in terms of like, hey, is that the best career move? You know, I, I would say no. To go to a team that is going to start a, a second-year quarterback that has one start under his belt, um, you know, in an organization that's going to go through massive change uh, at the ownership level and, and, and probably other issues, like, no, that's not the best career move uh, really for any coordinator, much less a coordinator that has had success. So, uh, look, it maybe is his path to becoming a head coach because if Sam Howell shows, you know, promise, it's going to be impossible to deny what, you know, Biennemi has done for someone like Sam Howell. But I, I, would, I don't think that is the best career move for Biennemi, no.
And obviously faces significant challenges in Washington, but as you heard him say, he's not afraid of a challenge. We'll obviously keep track of how he does uh, there. When we come back, the next week could be hugely consequential for Lamar Jackson and his time in Baltimore. We will tell you why teams around the NFL are watching that situation very, very closely. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Back on Get Up on our next stop is Baltimore, where Lamar Jackson's contract negotiations remain at a standstill. Lamar is seeking a guaranteed contract worth more than Deshaun Watson's fully guaranteed $230 million deal with the Browns. The Ravens have until March 7th to place the franchise tag on Jackson if they cannot get a deal done. Why should they do that? Well, the Ravens are 45 and 16 in Lamar Jackson's 61 career starts. That win percentage of 738 is the fourth best for any starting quarterback to debut in the Super Bowl era and make at least 50 starts. He trails only Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, and Roger Stallback. So, we've been over this a million times with Lamar, right? He is he's looking for a guaranteed contract. The Ravens don't want to give him one. He's facing the franchise tag. So, what I want to do is play this out a little bit, right? Let's say we get to March 7th. There's no deal. The Ravens put the non-exclusive tag on him, which means any team can offer them two first-round picks, and then they would be able to get Lamar Jackson, and then they would have to give him the fully guaranteed contract. So, Tim Hasselbeck, which team, if any, should do that if that's the situation that plays itself out? <laughs> no team should do that. Listen, one, obviously the trade value. Look, you, you want to give up two first-rounders for Lamar and sign him to a new deal? Look, I, I think I could I could think that maybe maybe somebody would do that, but the the final portion of this, Dan, is the fully guaranteed contract, which sounds like it's the hang up in Baltimore. No, you shouldn't do it. Listen, just because Cleveland signed uh, Deshaun Watson to an epically bad contract does not mean that anybody else should use that as a legitimate comp. Uh, you know, for a quarterback that they are going to sign. Lamar Jackson or anybody else. So, no, I, I don't think there is a team that should do that. And I, don't, and I don't think that, quite honestly, if I were Lamar, I would think that it's fair to say, look, I need to have Watson as a comp when there are other quarterbacks that have since signed since uh, Watson 
that he is probably better than, but he can use those as a comp. So, uh, no, I, I don't see anybody doing that. I mean, I, I, I can kind of see his point, right? I mean, like, yeah. Deshaun Watson's never been MVP. Mm -hmm. I, Lamar Jackson, have never caused any issues off the field. Like, like mm -hmm. what, what do you think? No, I think Tim makes uh, some reasoned arguments for a franchise, but it's not Lamar Jackson's problem that the Browns gave Deshaun Watson a deal that is an NFL outlier and you could argue could be one of the worst, if not the worst NFL contracts ever. Um, Lamar Jackson, his resume, he's done more than Deshaun Watson. And I understand why a team would not want to give up and say, fine, we'll just give you a fully guaranteed contract. The problem that I see is a lot of teams feel like I, it's too much. I don't want to do that. We can find a quarterback elsewhere. But then at the end of the season, it's always the teams that have very good quarterbacks that have a chance to win the Super Bowl. And the price of QBs is going to keep going up and up and up. At some point, somebody else besides Deshaun Watson is going to get a fully guaranteed contract. So, uh, RC, if you're running a team and the Ravens do this, they put the non-exclusive tag on him, you know I can get Lamar Jackson for two first-round picks and if I'm willing to sign him to a fully guaranteed contract. Do you do it? Well, Dan, first off, I need you to take off your host hat and put on your insider hat. What Fine. was Aaron Rodgers' contract that he recently signed for was 150? Was it fully guaranteed? It was not. No. It was not fully guaranteed, no. Okay. Okay, so... Okay, so so what the problem has been, because we had D. Smith on the pivot, was that mm -hmm. when Kirk Cousins signed his deal, they got a fully guaranteed deal yeah. in Minnesota, the quarterbacks who had more cachet, who were pro bowlers and all pros behind him, they didn't sign fully guaranteed deals or work for fully guaranteed mm -hmm. deals. And so now we've seen the same thing with Deshaun Watson. And also the collusion within the ownership that says, you know what, we hate the Cleveland Browns for giving Deshaun Watson this contract, and we're not doing it, period. So that is what Lamar Jackson is facing. And Kimberly's right. What Tim said that the franchises should do and that the franchises are doing is true. If you're a franchise, why would you want to give somebody a deal that you feel like is a bad deal for the organization? But that's not Lamar Jackson's problem. That's right. not Lamar Jackson's job. Lamar Jackson is to look at the market and look at what people comparable to his talent level are getting, which in Deshaun Watson is comparable talent-wise, not accomplishment-wise, not the way that he's conducted himself off the field as well. And Lamar Jackson is saying, I deserve that amount of money. It doesn't matter what Kyler took. It doesn't matter what Russell Wilson took. They ain't me. And so for <laughs> Lamar Jackson, he's going to have to decide which principle is worth standing on. Is it worth standing on a principle where I need to get all $230 million guaranteed? Or is the principle of standing that $133 million guaranteed, which he was offered by the Baltimore Ravens, isn't enough? And so I think if he can feel comfortable landing somewhere in between there while he's fighting for fully guaranteed, then we get a deal done. If he's not, if he needs it all, I don't don't believe any team does it and that was the stalemate last year and if it continues to be then you could have a situation where he's franchised and may have to make a decision about whether he wants to play on that franchise tag much more on that as we continue but week two of the XFL kicked off last night with former Saints coach Jim Hazlitt now coaching the Seattle Sea Dragons they were taken on the St. Louis Battlehawks second quarter Sea Dragons up three nothing Ben DiNucci finds Jacor Peterson for the touchdown so what do you do after you score a touchdown to go up 9-0? Do you go for one? Do you go for two? Or do you go for three? 
Yes, the three-point conversion attempt. This is the XFL from the 10-yard line. Danucci finds Josh Gordon in the back of the end zone. Two former NFL players now doing it in the XFL. Sea Dragons up 12-0 after converting the three-pointer. Fourth quarter now, Sea Dragons trail by five. Fourth and goal. Danucci finds Jordan Vesey in the end zone for the touchdowns. Seahawks take the lead. They're going to go for three again, but they didn't get it. So the score is now 18-17. Still time for the Battle Hawks. Donnie Hagman set to kick a 44-yard field goal for the win. He steps back. He launches it. It is good. Battle Hawks come back to win 20-18 and improve to 2-0 and kick off once again that old debate about should you go for three uh, <laughs> early in the game? We have, look, in all seriousness, I mean, it's a three-point conversion. It's an option. You go for it from the 10-yard line. It adds a little something to the game. Kimberly Martin, you like it? I like it because it's different. It's just, it's just fun. It's more points. You want to see more points. I'm all for it. RC? I like it for the XFL. I think they have to put something in their game that makes it exciting, that yeah. gives teams opportunities to compete all the way until the last whistle is blown. And we've seen what it can do for a game already. So I really like that rule and the way it's being utilized by the coaches in the XFL. Yeah, a couple rules. A three-point conversion. St. Louis last week opted for a fourth and 15 instead of an onside kick a attempt. Keep 15, the game going. Yep. Tim, do you like these new uh, XFL rules? I do, Dan, and I and I and I think they would be good in the NFL. I, I think that you know, kind of NFL purists need to realize the game has changed a lot already yes. with how people are tackled, how people are hit, where what you can do, and so adding some game strategy to the NFL, I think, would be fine. Week two in the XFL continues tomorrow on FX with the DC yeah, Defenders and the Vegas Vipers. Sunday, the Brahmas and Guardians are on ESPN at four. Eastern followed by <laughs> Renegades and Roughnecks on ESPN 2 at 7 Eastern. All three games also available on ESPN+. Plus. Coming up, much more from Ryan Clark as the NFL waits to hear what's next for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. How much patience should other teams have? Well, waiting for an answer, we'll tell you. This is Get Up. <laughs> 